That has got to be one of the most motivating speeches I've ever read in the Bible. If you really read that and get the picture of Joshua, of uh, Caleb coming with his entire clan, it must have been uh, more than thousands of people, and he's with his family here, and he's sitting probably on his horse, and Joshua's next to him, and they're overlooking the promised land, and he's saying, look it, do you remember back 45 years ago? Do you remember what happened 45 years ago when we spied out the land, and then we were faithful, we followed God, and God said he's going to give us this territory? Joshua, I want to take that city. You see that city up on the hill? I want to climb that mountain. You see those gates? I want to bust through those gates. Do you see? I want to take that city that's ours. God promised us that. And that is courage. That is strength in the Lord. What is it about Caleb? At 85 years old, he's talking like this. I mean, I get around people that are 55, 60 my age, and all we talk about is what's wrong with our bodies. Why we can't play basketball like we used to play basketball. You know why it's so hard to keep up with our children. But not Caleb. He has a totally different take on life. He is seeing something that God has promised him, and he's laying hold of it. And so what is it that's so special about Caleb? What is this? What is with this guy? He's 85. It's been 45 years. He's been wandering around in the desert, and he hasn't become discouraged. What is it? And I think what we see here in the Scripture is that over and over again, even in this short passage, you will see three times this phrase, he followed the Lord God wholeheartedly. Heartedly. Meaning when he was 20 years old, when he was 40 years old, when he was 50 years old, all the way till he was 85, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And if you break down the Hebrew word, it actually literally means to fill one's heart as you walk behind. So what he's doing is he's living life and he sees what God is doing. He hears what God has said and he picks it up. And he places it in his life and he holds on to it. He says, I'm not letting go of this. This is wonderful. He's in awe of God and what God has done in his life and in the past. Like he saw God open up the Red Sea and then march through. So he takes that and he says, boy, God can do anything. And then he sees how God has provided manna for them in the desert. And he says, God can provide for me. And he sees over and over again the provision and the safety and the power of God. And he takes these things into his life and it makes a tremendous difference. I don't know if you guys ever play Mario Brothers, right? This little guy bumps up and then he tries, he collects the coins. Boop, 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 boop. You know, he takes the coins and he brings them in and he becomes stronger. I got a picture of this with Caleb. He's seeing what God is doing and he's taking it and bringing it into his heart. And he's holding on to it and he's meditating on it. And it's building his faith. It's building his courage. It's amazing to see what God can do when we hold on to him. And we, when we understand what he can do. Look at this. This is what it says here in verses uh, 6 through 8. It says, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. 
I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. So he was one of 11 other spies that went into the promised land while they were on the other side of the Jordan. So they crossed in and they spied out the entire land that was called the promised land. And I brought back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So where others saw obstacles and saw fear, Caleb saw opportunity. Caleb saw this could be something that could really bring glory to God, this opportunity, taking over this land. And so Caleb has a different type of way that he looks about things. So, uh, so Caleb is thinking about this, and he says to the people, so if we go back in Numbers when this actually took place, when he was a spy, and he comes back, and he comes back and he says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So he takes a look at things, and isn't it strange how we look at things differently? Some people see an obstacle, other people see an opportunity. Some people see this is terrible, other people say this is a blessing. God can use this in my life. And Caleb had that kind of heart where he saw things the way that God saw them. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And so they came back with the report, and they're talking amongst themselves. And I don't know about you, but when people start to talk negatively, it can breed more negativity and more fear when people get scared. And they, I mean, just look at the news today. If you watch the regular news, everything is built on fear, terror. Things are falling apart. The world is melting. You know, we've, we've got problems all over the place. What's going to happen? And people are full of fear. And this is what happened to the ten spies. And then they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. He said, all the people you saw are of great size? Now they start to exaggerate the report. Can you honestly believe that every person they saw was bigger than they were? I'm sure there were Anakites in there, and they were descendants of people that were very tall and very strong. But they saw everybody that way. And they saw, they exaggerated, so in their minds, they just blanket made a statement, it's all bad. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. I don't know if any of you have ever played basketball. But I'll tell you, when you're playing basketball and you're five foot nine and somebody comes on the court that's six foot eight, they seem like a giant, right? I remember watching my kids play basketball, high school basketball, and every once in a while they'd face a team that had somebody that was six foot nine. Now they were only five foot 11. My, uh, my middle son was six foot, but they were not big guys. So those guys seemed like giants. And I remember they would sometimes, sometimes the team would try to intimidate them because they were so much bigger. They seemed so much stronger. 
But all it took was one person to all of a sudden stop the big man. And then everybody said, hey, this guy's human. Or somebody make a shot over the tall guy. Three-pointer, boom. Remember that, Nate? I remember that. Yeah. And then what happens is the team rallies. They say, yes, we can score. We can do this. It takes courage. It takes strength. It takes seeing things differently than we normally do. And that's the kind of faith that Caleb had. It's the kind of faith that Joshua had. So what's different about their, in their generation is they follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And uh, a lot of times what happens is we allow the past to dictate our present view of things or the future. So especially if we've been hurt in the past, then we think we're going to be hurt again. Or if we become disillusioned, and this happens in people's faith too. They follow the Lord and they pray about something. They believe God's going to do something. He doesn't do it the way that they thought. And then they lose faith. Their heart becomes hardened. And then they look at life and faith in God as something that is so unsure, so unsteady. They lose their courage. They lose their strength. But here's a picture of a man, two men, Joshua and Caleb, had such an effect on, their, on other people's life, not only their life, but other people's life. And they saw that. You know what I like to do? I like to watch movies where they do have these motivational speeches. And uh, this, there's this one scene in Rocky Balboa. It wasn't the greatest film. But there's this one scene where the father is talking to his son. Rocky is now an old man. And his son is discouraged because he seems like he's living in the shadow of his, of his father. And he doesn't, he's blaming his father for what has happened in his life. And a lot of times, we can do the same thing. We can blame other people for what's happening in our lives today. And this is the scene. I want, you, I want to show it to you. Uh, take a look at it. It's only a couple minutes long. We ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching. Every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.
I'm always gonna love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. You know, as that clip goes on, um, Rocky's son was stuck in the image of what he saw himself and how the reasons why he blamed other people for what he was going through. And I think that's where we get stuck sometimes. And it's not about believing in yourself like Rocky said. It's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's having that relationship in somebody that's greater and stronger than you, and receiving from Him through the power of the Holy Spirit the strength and the perspective to look at life in a way that God intended for you, that designed for you. Because you are uniquely His child. He is your Father, and He loves you. And this is what we see about Caleb. He had a different uh, spirit. And why is it that some people have faith, courage, and resolve, and some don't? And I think we, when we look at Caleb, it said, this is what God said about him, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, there it is again, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. That was spoken 45 years from the time that we read in Joshua chapter 14. So for 45 years, Caleb hung on to that promise. He understood that he had a different spirit. He saw things differently. And you would think, I would think, that if I'm wandering around in the desert for 40 years because 10 people said and gave a different report, gave some bad news to everybody, and it spread like wildfire, and everybody got fearful, and now we've suffered the consequence. We have 40 days in the in the uh, spying out the land, now we have 40 years wandering around in the desert, I'm going to be a little upset. I'm going to be upset at those people. But you don't see this in Caleb. He's not blaming them. He just comes up at 85 and says, okay, I'm ready. They're all gone. And the generation that was 20 and older went into the promised land with Caleb, and they took that city of Hebron that was fortified and strategically armed, and they took the city for God. What a difference. He believed in somebody greater than himself. He overcame. And there's going to be times in our lives when 80% of the people we know will disagree with us or won't have the same view of God as we do. You see, if God is calling you to be a wholehearted follower of His, then He's going to call you into something that is deeper and stronger in faith than you've ever known before. 
And probably 80% of the people around you will not have that same view. Do you know that it, they've done statistics? I don't know how uh, George Barner does this. But he said in a church of, you know, he says that 80% of believers in American churches do not have a biblical worldview. Meaning, they don't look at life from the Bible. They don't use this as a grid to interpret how they should live or how they should view life. 80%. That means only one in five of us. That means only two in ten. And I want to be one of them. Do you want to be one of them? I want to be one of the two. I want to be like Joshua and Caleb at 85. If God gives me that long to live, I want to say, yes, I want to still fight. I want to still be in the spiritual battle. I want to still be serving the Lord. I don't want to back away. It's not time to retire. It's not time to lay down the armor. Caleb is just getting started, man. He said, I waited for this. And there's times in your life when there's going to be times when you're going to have to wait. You're going to be in a wilderness time. You're going to be in a time that seems so disoriented. And then God is going to reorient you. This is what happened to Caleb. He was, it was disorientating in the desert time. But when he crossed over into the promised land, he was reorientated into what God had wanted him to do. And every one of us goes through seasons of disorientation and reorientation with the Lord. And he'll bring you into the place where he wants you, but you've got to stay in there. You've got to stay in the battle. So some people have this type of courage, others don't. And I want to tell you, there's been times in my life I've been just like the ten spies. I'll be honest with you. I have not always been a man of faith and a man of courage. There's been times when I've been fearful. There's been times when I've been weak. There's been times when I did not follow what God had said, and they've been the most miserable years of my life. But then what happened? What happens? You've got to stop and reorient yourself to what God says, not what's happening around you, not how you're interpreting the world, but how God is speaking to you. And so when you stop and you get alone with God and then He begins to speak into your life, then He can begin to speak the truth. You can begin to hear that. He's always speaking that, but you come to a place where you're beginning to hear Him and then trust Him and then step out according to what He says. And that's when your life is reoriented to what the things that God wants for you, and you walk in them like Caleb did. Anyone ever heard of Desmond Doss, private first class? Desmond Doss, private first class, won the Congressional Medal of Honor in World War II. What did he do? Was he a great fighter? Was he a great combat soldier? No, if you, any of you saw the movie Hacksaw Ridge, it's a story of his life. NPR did an interview with him and with his captain, Captain Jack Glover, and they told the story of Desmond Doss. He came in as a conscientious objector. He did not want to take a rifle. He did not want to kill people. He wanted to become a medic. 
And so he had to train with the rest of the company. And so while he's training with the rest of the company, they're mocking him. They take his Bible, they throw it on the floor. While he's praying, they're throwing shoes at him. And his captain, Jack Glover, says, we got to get rid of this guy. He's, he's killing the morale of our team. We want to create fighters. We want to create a fighting machine. And here's this guy, he just prays. And so they were so upset at him, they tried to get rid of him and not pass him into, from basic training into the war. And Captain Glover had a discussion with him, and one day he said, uh, he, he says to him, don't, uh, Doss told Glover, he said this, don't ever doubt my courage because I will be right by your side saving lives while you take them. And so he felt this conviction from God, I'm not going to take up arms and shoot anybody. And so this is the calling that God had on his life. I'm not against people defending themselves in war. That's not, that's not the point of this. But he received a calling from God that God said, I want to use you as a medic in World War II. And so in 1945, at Okinawa, in the spring of 1945, Doss's company faced a grueling task. They had to climb up a steep, jagged cliff, and it was called Hacksaw Ridge, to a plateau where thousands of heavily armed Japanese soldiers were waiting for them. They were dug in in caves and terrain and unreachable, and the soldiers were being picked off, a barrage of gunfire and explosion. And what it says is that Doss crawled on the ground from wounded soldier to wounded soldier. He dragged several injured men off the edge of the rib, tied a rope around their waist, lowered them down by himself. And in 12 hours, he saved 75 men in 12 hours. They, saw, they talked about him. He was one of the bravest persons alive. Doss said this about him. It said, he said, it's as if God had his hand on my shoulder. It's the only explanation I could give. God was with him. He called him into that. And then the same soldiers who had shamed him now praised him. He was one of the bravest persons alive, Glover says in his documentary. And then to have him end up saving my life was the irony of the whole thing. Captain Glover was injured, wounded, lay dying on the ridge all alone. And who came up to him and dragged him off that ridge? It was Desmond Doss, the very person that he despised, the very person he didn't want to have in his company. See, God does amazing things when we trust him. How do you find the source of that kind of courage? Most people find their soul's desire and passion for safety, acceptance, and significance in something other than God, but not Caleb and Joshua. They found their soul desire in the Lord, and he became their source of courage and strength. And it's the same thing today for you and I. Young person, if you want to, build your, if you want to be a person of courage and strength and make a difference in this world, the best way to do it is to give your heart wholeheartedly to God and follow him and take notice of what he's doing in your life or what he said in your life. I know parents, parent, it is tough to parent in today's society. 
But if you want to have the word of wisdom that sustains the weariness of your child or the encouragement that it can keep them and strengthen them, you've got to hear from God. That's what God has called you to. Single person, young person, if you want to live a life of purity, if you want to live a life committed to God, then you get on your knees with God and you talk with Him and let Him speak to you. Let Him show you where you should go, what you should do. He's going to make that difference in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're waiting on God, if you seem like you're in a wilderness, do not let go of the things that God has promised you. Because if it takes one year or 45 years, God will lead you to the place that he wants you to go. And he'll be with you. See, Joshua said, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But by the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. He hung on to the promises of God. Where do you find the source of this? Moses passed on to Joshua the very word that God spoke to Moses. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then, and then Joshua says the same thing to the people. He says in Joshua 1, 9 and 11, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then he goes through the camp and he tells everybody, we're crossing over to the Jordan River. Be strong and courageous. And they are. And then Caleb, with his family. Caleb says this to his family. See, Caleb crosses over into Hebron, he has his daughter, who is married to Othanella. Othanella is a warrior himself. He's a fighter himself, but he's much, much younger than Caleb. He's the generation before. He's probably a 20-year-old at this time. And then the people of Israel, they go into the land, but after a certain amount of time, other tribes come up and they reattack them. And so God raises up judges. Well, this guy, Othanella, is one of Caleb's descendants. It's his son-in-law, married to his daughter. And his daughter has seen Caleb act with unswerving faith, wholehearted following the Lord. And she says, I want to do that too, because look at what happened to Dad. Look, what, look at how his life turned out, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. You make a difference, not only in your family, but in the community around you. And so when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Athanel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Canaz, who happened to be his son-in-law. 
The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against the king, Cushan, of Aram, and the Lord gave Othanel a victory over him. So there was peace in the land for a whole other generation, 40 more years. Powerful, right? That a, a man, a woman of God can have such an influence in their children and in their children's children. God does the same thing today. That's why he says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. See, what happened? What was Othanel so wise and strong? No, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. It wasn't because he had it in himself. We don't have it in ourselves. We need to have this from God. The spirit of God needs to come upon us and he does, he comes within us, and he gives us a power, a love of self-discipline to help others. So if you're a parent or a single person here today, no matter what your age, follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Why did those spies' hearts melt in fear? Why did a whole generation get lost in the wilderness? Because they didn't listen to the Lord. They listened to their fears. They listened to their anxieties. They listened to the lies of the enemy. And you and I are in a spiritual battle. But it's normal. It's normal to struggle in faith. It is normal. It's part of being a Christian. You don't all of a sudden have supernatural faith and never struggle. That's a misnomer. That will not happen. Faith is a battle. It says fight the good fight of faith. You have to fight the good fight of faith. You have to take up the armor of God. You have to hold on to the promises of God. You have to be courageous. You have to be strong in the Lord. And he promises to be with us. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And I love this last line. Do everything, <laughs> do everything in love. The bottom line at the end of your life, if you've been successful, is not how strong or courageous you are, but how well you have loved courageously and with strength of character. How well you have loved God, how well you have loved other people. That's the key. That is really the measure of your walk with God. So life application, what challenges are you facing today that you need God's strength and courage in? What is the challenge that you're facing today? Because each one of us has challenges in our life, and we will. What is that challenge that God is saying, I want you to trust me in, and I want you to have the courage and the strength to go forward? What is it? You know that. Or ask God. What is it that keeps pulling you down? What keeps on lying to you? What does the enemy use in your life? What does Satan use in your life to pull you down, to give you full of anxiety, fear, or depression, or discouragement? What is God calling you to do about that? Will you turn to him? Will you call out to him today? Will you listen to what he says, not your fears, 
or the giant obstacles challenging you that try to overwhelm you? Will you trust in God? And will you move courageously forward in love? Because you follow the Lord wholeheartedly and you know, you know He is with you. You know that. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We ask that you would stir within us the same Holy Spirit, the same sense of conviction that Caleb had at 85 years old, that he knew you were with him. He knew that you were stronger than anything he would ever face in his life. And then he trusted you and moved forward. Lord, I pray for parents here. Parents that are overwhelmed and concerned and pulled down with worry and fear as they look at their children for some reason. Lord, I pray that you'd minister your life, that you'd minister your strength, that you'd minister your courage, that you'd minister faith to them as they, as they entrust them they entrust their children to you in the futures to you. Give them a heart that can see joy, that can see trust, that can be secure in you. Lord, you created us with this desire for security, for this desire to really want to um, be significant. But Lord, that desire is only met in you. So help us lead our children to you and help us stay close to you. And Father, I pray for every single person that is here that they would not in any way become discouraged with life. But Lord, they'd see life as an opportunity, the very life that you've given them to follow after you with their whole heart and to see what you can do. Pray this in Jesus' name.